0: We are in our sermon series, Forgive, as was mentioned, and when we finish the sermon series, then we've really reached fall. We have two weeks left, um, but we've been learning about this wellspring of forgiveness, that it's deep and wide the forgiveness that the Lord gives us through his mercy and grace and how we can have access to it. We've learned about the history of forgiveness. We've learned about modern culture's um, rejection of forgiveness. Last week we heard about the forgiveness that God gives us on account of Jesus Christ, and we learned that forgiveness is not easy for God. It's not as if there's this great uh, relationship uh, a transaction that we have with God. We love to sin; He loves to forgive. It's quite a quite a deal. That's not it at all. Death, uh, um, forgiveness is costly for God, so much so that it is only carried out through the death of His Son. That God is able to release the currency of the kingdom of God, which is the forgiveness of sins. It's how God relates to us and reconciles us to us because we are sinners. Um, we've rebelled against God by our very nature, and we live in an unforgiving world. And yet, in order to be your God, in order to be who God truly is, God enters into the costly endeavor, the hard endeavor, of forgiving sinners in order to reconcile them to himself. And so, this uh, uh, the topic today is where we move from that where we move from the blood of Christ that uh, Pastor Mark preached on last week, and how do we actually use this forgiveness that's been poured out upon us through Jesus? How do we actually forgive? Maybe you're thinking to yourself, how can I forgive? How can I grant someone forgiveness? I'm still angry and hurt. Is that how it works, that we have to feel Uh, like like we should forgive, then the forgiveness is possible? What if I forgive someone, but I still hurt inside, I'm angry inside? Did that mean that I I didn't forgive correctly? Was there something wrong with it? So this is what we're going to talk about today. Timothy Keller says in his book, Unless you forgive deliberately, thoroughly, and with all the help Christ offers, your anger will defile you. Your anger will defile you if you do not forgive deliberately and thoroughly. Well, what what does this mean? Hebrews talks about it. So, in the book of Hebrews, it says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. How many of you like to garden? None of us i 'm with you completely, a handful of you uh, I, I get the the benefit, and, and I, I actually like it of mowing the lawn and taking care of our lawn this year though Melissa and I tried something different we didn 't go with the usual company we are trying to trying to um, uh, limit our, our toxic fo- footprint and move away from <clears throat> excuse me chemicals, and so we got some organic. Uh, lawn uh, material to to treat our lawn, but the problem is, I used the fertilizer and the lawn protector b- before any weeding was done. So if you go and see my lawn, I apologize in advance for what you see. Uh, but honestly, I don't also don't really have a green thumb. Trying to get all the weeds out is one thing, but if you don't get down to the root, they pop right back up. And that's what Hebrews is referring to here, the root of bitterness. When you have been harmed, when you have been wronged, there can be a root that sits and that you dwell on, that you hold on to, that you, you bring up that, that memory of that hurt over and over and over again, and you feed on it. This is what's being warned about a root of bitterness because it can defile you. Well, what does defile mean? It means to sully, to mar, to spoil, to desecrate, or profane. But that root of bitterness has an interesting use within our language. If, you know, if you've gotten to know me well enough now, you know that I'm, I'm fascinated with language. Um, and the English language is just a, a treasure trove of all kinds of interesting history, and this is one of them. Kids going to school in a couple of weeks, if you wonder why we have words that are, start with a W but make a ra sound, it has to do with the Anglo-Saxon root language. Here's a word that looks like it says rapé, and these are, these are P's in English, but in uh, Anglo-Saxon language, it looks like a B and a P on top of each other. It's a really weird letter. It's pronounced ray. Well, this word, ray, is the Anglo-Saxon word for angry. Now, over time, <clears throat> it has influenced The English language down to today. Old English, the word became wrath. And wrath was a mixture of angry along with um, uh, a twisting or turning movement. Well, this affected the word that we know better today for Ray, the word wrath. We think of like the wrath of God. This is anger being poured out. This is taking vengeance. This is getting the punishment that you are due. Um, Well, the other root word is where we get a word like writhe. What is writhe? Writhe is twisting roots. That's its root, literally, uh, like a plant. And it's twisting them. It's where we get our word wreath. You're going to think of your Christmas wreath in a completely different way now. What is a wreath? It's a twisting of branches, And you do that in a a tough manner when you would make a wreath by hand. Sometimes you've got to put some effort into it. So it's an angry twisting is where you get a wreath. Well, we have another word that also is connected to that that comes down that may be less known to you. The word is wraith. What is a wraith? Well, I have a little video for you to see. Maybe this will help shine light on what a wraith is. (laughs) the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. You don't see every day. A wraith is a ghost. But it's not like the Holy Ghost or a benevolent ghost. A wraith is a um, spirit, a haunting that's locked in place. It can't move beyond where it is, and it causes all kinds of damage. Uh, And so, how do you keep from becoming a wraith controlled by your past hurts? You need to forgive well. Uh, I think of that word well like a wellspring to overflowing. It's what we have by the grace of God and Jesus Christ. But if we don't uh, exercise those ghosts that hang around us, they will lock us in place. Every one of you has had to deal with ghosts from your past. Ghosts of hurts that have happened. You may not even realize it because it happened a long time ago and it may be something that's completely benign. I've talked about this before with myself. But I can be driving along on the road, you let your mind wander, you're thinking about something and suddenly a feeling hits you about a past memory that's, that's not even a real recollection. It's just a vague thought like some kid stealing a toy from you in the playground. Everyone can, can uh, recognize that feeling and it just hits you again when you think about that happening to you. Well, that's like a wraith. It's like a ghost that locks you in your past and how do you move beyond that hurt? You have to forgive it. You have to exercise it through forgiveness. And sometimes it's as simple as when those moments hit you, you just sit there and just go, you know what? I don't even, I forgive you. I forgive that. I'm moving beyond it. I'm, I'm, I'm moving past it. But if we don't exercise our ghosts, exorcise, not exercise, if we don't get rid of the rates, they will lock us in our past and you will be defined by your past rather than by your future. Because you have... New life in Jesus Christ, you already are receiving the currency of, of heaven, which is the forgiveness of your sins daily, and it never runs out. It's always there to be accessible. It's what church is about. It's what we come to receive. It's what the New Testament is about. It's what your baptism is about. It's what the Lord's Supper is about. It's handing over again the currency of heaven, forgiveness, so that you would be wealthy in your faith. And if we're being, we're either going to be defined by our past or we're going to be defined by our future. And what is your future? You have the hope of the resurrection, which redefines how we live life in this unforgiving place. If you wonder, but I don't really have any, any race in my life that I need to forgive. Well, let me just tell you that unless you recognize and forgive those hurts from your past they will affect your your future all of us have had a a longing love that we have lost maybe you're in a a romantic relationship that didn't go well if you don't forgive the harm that was done or the wrongdoing that was done it will haunt your next relationship or your next several relationships. It can even affect your marriage. It's why we as pastors, when we talk with couples about uh, pre-marriage, we talk about their previous relationships in, 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 in an effort to, to recognize the hurts that were there in order to forgive them so that they don't become a ghost in your new relationship. Whether it's a fight that you had with a friend a long time ago, whether it was a disagreement with someone uh, that was never reconciled, those are all hurts that can sit on us and continue to haunt us into our future. How do we move beyond that? How do we keep from becoming a wraith controlled by your past hurts? Forgive well. So, how to forgive? How do we actually do it? 3 easy super duper steps. The first one is from Matthew 5:23 through 24. So, if you, it's talking about you, are offering your gift at the altar, you're in worship, and there remember that your brother so this isn't a stranger, this isn't an acquaintance, this isn't someone uh, in a different political party. It's not like, you know, in Washington, D.C. This is about someone close to you, your brother, has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother. Point to be made: Reconciliation is not forgiveness. Reconciliation requires three things. It requires forgiveness on the person who was wronged. It requires repentance by the one who's the wrongdoer. And it requires accountability. The person who was wronged not only forgives, but makes it clear to the person that they were wronged and they, they seek reconciliation through forgiveness. When those three happen... Forgiveness, reconciliation, and accountability, their reconciliation can take place. But you can forgive without reconciling because forgiveness starts inwardly. It's about what's going on here. Something else will happen outwardly in in the steps of, of forgiveness. But this is about in here. Be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. So the first thing to do to be able to forgive someone, even before talking to them about it, is identify with the person. They are not a one-dimensional villain. When we are wronged by someone, it's very easy for us to begin to have false impressions that are happening in our own head about them. Have you ever heard this phrase? Don't let uh, you know uh, they're living rent. I'm living rent-free in their in their mind. That's a way of saying that they're they're thinking all kinds of things about you that may not be true at all, and it's defining how they look at you. If you are forgiving someone, you need to recognize that they are a person. They're not a supervillain like the Joker or Lex Luthor. This happens more often than you think in relationships where there will be a disagreement, a point of conflict, and rather than talking about it and reconciling, uh, the two will begin to think thoughts about their spouse. Between a husband and a wife, uh, uh, they'll begin to think false thoughts about them, that, that they're doing these things to really, you know, because they're a bad person. I'll give you an example: husband and wife come home from work. There's dishes in the sink. The wife asks the husband, "Would you please do the dishes? I did the dishes last night." Would you please do the dishes? The husband says, sure, no problem, I'll get on it. Fine, the night goes by, the dishes aren't done. She goes to bed, he goes to bed. They get up the next day, dishes still aren't done. She goes off to work, he goes off to work. He gets back before she does. She comes back, the dishes still aren't done. She goes and she speaks to him. Hey, why aren't, why, why aren't the dishes done? Oh, well, yeah, I had a really rough day. I just got home. I'm, just, I'm resting for a few minutes, then, then I'll get up and do the dishes. He ends up getting busy with something else, forgets the dishes. She goes to bed, he goes to bed, they get up the next day, dishes still aren't done. She goes to work, he goes to work, comes home. He's home before she is, she walks in, the dishes still are not done. He comes comes home and he's helping the kids with, with their homework. Now, it's not, why aren't the dishes done, it's, why are you trying to hurt me? Why are you refusing to, to work with me here? Why am I always the one who has to do everything? Why, why, why? Why aren't you doing your share? You, and then false thoughts come in. You're this, you're that, you're so on. This happens in every relationship. This is called the wall of conflict. And those are the germs that can harm a relationship. They're the ghosts that come in to haunt the relationship. When what needs to happen is conversation, forgiveness, in order to understand where the other person is coming from. Now this isn't to say that there aren't abusive uh, actions in relationships. I'm just talking about, in general, how we can uh, read into someone something that they're not and turn them into a one-dimensional villain, rather than seeing them for the person that they are. The second one is from Matthew 6, verses 12 and 14. It says, And forgive us our debts... As we also have forgiven our debtors. Maybe you recognize this. This is from the Lord's Prayer. For if you forgive others their trespasses, we say trespass, sin, debt, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. This is the second one. This is in forgiveness you are absorbing the debt that the other person has to pay or or should pay. This is the word aphiemi. This is the Greek word for forgiveness. It literally means to absorb the debt or remit the debt. There's always a cost when sin happens, when someone is wronged. There's always a cost. And someone has to pay for that cost for reconciliation to take place whether it's the person who's done the wrong or it's the person who's been wronged. You're going to absorb it one way or another. And some people, depending on what it is, are very quick to absorb the debt, to just say, I forgive you, and and maybe not even bring it up to the other person and just say, I forgive you, moving on. But sometimes, forgiveness is like buying with credit. You can pay off the debt immediately, and sometimes... It's going to take a while. So you don't have to feel like you need to forgive someone to forgive them. We just forgive them because of what Jesus says, because forgiveness leads to, um, uh, is the beginning of reconciliation, it's not the end. Forgiveness is the beginning of justice, it's not the end. Uh, It's very much like you have a Jesus credit card. Because you are forgiven, you can forgive. Now, you may not feel it inside. You may not even be in a place of reconciliation. But you begin to pay off the debt after you say to someone, I forgive you. When someone says, forgive me of my sins, and you say, I forgive you. You may not feel it inside. But now you begin to pay off the debt because you've absorbed the debt. And this is how you pay off the debt. The next time you see that person, you speak courteously and nice to them. When that person's not in the room and someone brings them up, you choose not to speak ill of them. With each of these choices that you make, you are paying off and absorbing the debt. Um, When you're able to no longer carry those thoughts and, and, and play them over again in your head, over and over and over again, the wrong that they did to you, You are absorbing the debt when you're saying, I'm not going to dwell on this anymore. God, I give this to you. I forgive them. You do that every day. This is called discovering forgiveness. Forgiveness is not just an action that you do once upon a time. It's a process of discovery. As you live more and more in God's forgiveness, you're able to forgive others who have wronged you. So it's like paying a debt with a credit card. And the more you choose to be gracious towards someone, the more you're paying off that debt. And in time, the hurt will go away. The hurt will no longer haunt you. You will forgive them completely and totally. The third one is, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. This is known as the Matthew principle, and it has to do with how do you interact with fellow Christians when they've sinned against you. Well, the simplest way is go and talk to them, because that then allows for reconciliation. If you say to someone, you wronged me, and they say, oh, I'm so sorry, well, now you can forgive them and move forward together. Or if you say, you wronged me, and they say, oh, I, I, I didn't realize this is what I was doing, and suddenly you realize, oh, they didn't wrong me, well, then you're able to move forward together. This is used in the church quite a bit. This is number three. It means do good to them. You forgive on the inside, but then you need to speak truth on the outside with Someone that is a fellow believer or someone that you care about, speaking to them is absolutely necessary in order to bring about reconciliation. But maybe um, um, there's no need to speak outside because you're able to just move on. Someone cuts you off on the road, I'm just going to forgive them, and I'm moving on. But what do you do if it's an egregious wrong? Because there's not just things that are personal slights and sins, there's also sins that we call felonies. Well, doing good to your neighbor means bringing that to the proper authorities so that the cycle of harm can come to an end. It does not mean, forgiveness does not mean you continue to receive abuse after abuse after abuse. Part of forgiveness, you forgive and then you speak to that person, you speak truth to them. If you can't speak to them, you go and speak to the authorities whom God has put in place to to restrain evil. In either case, you are carrying out the currency of the kingdom by bringing about forgiveness from your heart so that the haunts uh, of the ghost do not hang on your shoulders. Now, there's a couple common mistakes that people make when it, when it comes to forgiveness that they think is forgiveness, but it's actually not. The first one is uh, an excuse is given. If an excuse is given that rectifies the harm, it's not... A, it's not it doesn't need forgiveness because there's no debt. Hey, you did this to me. Hey, well, I'm, I, I, you rammed into my car, you know, or whatever it may be. If you can accept the excuse that's given, the reasoning, then there's no harm. A car, getting hit by a car is not a good example. That's actual harm. <laughs> but I mean, I, 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 I accept your excuse. Your excuse makes sense to me as to, as to why you bumped into me. I'm, I'm running on my way to, to work or whatever it may be. That's not forgiveness. That's an excuse. The second one is to deny, pretending that there is no debt, where someone has actually harmed you and we say things like, oh, it's okay or it's no big deal. On small things, that's fine. But if it's a big thing, we don't, deny the, we don't deny the harm. As a Christian, we always call a thing what it is. And if you've been harmed, we recognize it and we honor the harm for what it is. We don't make it bigger or smaller. We call a thing what it is. The third one is belated revenge. Well, fool me once, shame on you. But fool me twice, shame on me. So I'll let this one go, but next time, you're going to get it. Or revenge is a dish best served cold. You ever heard that before? That's also not forgiveness. If someone says, I'm sorry, and you say, I forgive you, but then you're planning your vengeance, your revenge, that's not forgiveness. Suspending judgment. In other words, putting someone on probation. Um, I'm I'm not going to speak up and and fix this or or call it into account, but I'm watching you. I'm making tallies until it reaches a tipping point. Then you're going to get it. Forgiveness is not hard mercy. Hard mercy is basically saying until you grovel enough, until you do enough things for me, uh, until I feel like you've you've balanced the scale, um, or because of what you've done, I now own you. That's not forgiveness. That's actually a form of revenge. The next one, nil justice. This is when you you do not, you neglect either um, forgiving the person that's choosing revenge or keeping them accountable. That is neglect. You need both. Forgiveness inside, speaking to them honestly outside. And the last one, auto-trust. Trust is not immediately restored. When you have been wronged, It's like your house has been crumbled. Trust is like a house. It needs to be rebuilt. But forgiveness is the structure that allows for the house to be rebuilt. And it's a process. It takes time. Just because you forgive someone, don't think that you immediately have to trust them. You're starting the process of restoring and rebuilding that trust. Now, you have two resources to sum up to empower you to do this uh, Christian act of forgiveness. The first is the Holy Spirit gives you humility. If you have the Holy Spirit, that means that you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you confess that you are a sinner in need of his forgiveness. And the more you recognize what God paid for your sake, the more deeper, hum- deeply humble you become that you are uh, redeemed by God. And so your life is about your future, not about your past. It's about the hope of the resurrection, not about the failings of a sinful world. You can be set free from those things. You can be empowered. If you've been wronged, greatly wronged, harmed, abused, one of the strong ways of regaining your power is through forgiveness. And there's a humility that comes with being forgiven in Jesus that allows you to do such things. The second thing is that you are wealthy. As a Christian, you have spiritual wealth that is beyond anything that the world can comprehend. It's why they're amazed by Christians who can forgive when wronged. It's because you are not poor in forgiveness. You are wealthy in forgiveness. God has uh, promises with your name on them. Every one of the promises in the Scripture is a yes with your name on it and so you are filled with the currency of Christ. You have like a Jesus credit card with you all the time and with this card you're able to, to transact in the currency of the kingdom which is forgiveness and that's because God has made you wealthy. The forgiveness that you give is not something you need to come up with on your own because your, your well is going to dry up. Your forgiveness comes from God. And so it's unlimited. You have unlimited credit by which you can exert forgiveness in the world around you. Forgiveness is not easy. It's incredibly hard. But because of what God has done for you in Jesus Christ, there is no harm that you have to dwell on. Who cares if someone has sullied your reputation? Who cares if someone has harmed you? In the short term of things, your story Although very real and to be honored and the suffering that you've gone through is to be honored, Christ died on the cross for you to redeem you, to set you free and your story is much bigger than those previous harms. They are to be exercised, to be forgiven, to be released so that you can be released to live into who you are now, child of God, hoping in the resurrection to come. Jesus Christ died for your sake. All of your sins are forgiven in his name. Let us grant forgiveness also. Amen. Hey, thanks for watching this video today. I hope it's been a blessing for you. We at Atonement are a community about loving God and loving people. And we'd love for you to know more about the God who loves you so much. Check out our other videos on YouTube or find us on your favorite podcast player with Atonement Fargo.